0: Welcome to entrepreneur decoded the show which reveals the habits fears failures and joys of today's most inspiring and successful entrepreneurs seven days a week now here's your host simon sander
1: let's get into the show without wasting any time with me today is Kimansi constable welcome man
0: Thanks for having me, Simon. I'm excited to be here.
1: Kimanzi Constable self-published two books that have sold more than 100,000 copies. He's also an international speaker, life and business coach. His mission is to help people live life by their own design and guide them to create true freedom. Kimanzi, as an entrepreneur, if you could teach everyone in the world one thing, what would it be?
0: Uh, That one of the most important qualities of entrepreneurship is freedom. Um, money is definitely necessary uh, because you want to live a comfortable lifestyle. Um, and I, I think too often there's a push away from money, like, oh, money's a bad thing and it's evil. And, you know, y- there's definite parts of entrepreneurship that you want to, but you need money because you don't want to be broke and, and trying to do this. Um, but I think freedom is the most important part. Just being able to live life on your terms and having not only your own schedule. But the ability to do what you want to do. I'll give you an example of this, Simon. I um, grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I uh, In 2014, I moved from Milwaukee to Maui, Hawaii. I lived in Maui for two years. And in 2016, went and moved to Medellin, Colombia. I'm back in Milwaukee now because I'm trying to figure out what, what the next phase is going to be for my life. But each of those times, I just packed up and left. And I didn't have to worry about money and I had to worry about the business because I have the business established and it's going. And to have that kind of freedom just to do all the things that you need to do at that point in your life, it's a beautiful thing.
1: I know you've been in the game of entrepreneurship for a while. Um, Let's go back a bit. There seems to be a time in every entrepreneur's life when they realize sort of one of two things about themselves. That they couldn't work for someone else anymore or that they had this calling to make a huge difference in the world. Can you tell me on what side of the fence you see yourself on and take us back when you discovered it?
0: Um, I don't think it was necessarily that I couldn't see myself working for somebody else. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was more so when I was around 19 years old, I I had worked for a bread company. And I had seen some guys that were delivering bread, but they were not in a uniform. And I asked one of the guys, I'm like, why aren't you wearing a uniform? And he said, I'm an independent contractor. Mm-hmm. And I had never heard that term. I didn't have any clue what it meant. But it turned out that for uh, what, what would happen is they, he contracted to a company. The company gave him 20% of all the sales. And he would have be responsible for all his own expenses. So in all intents and purposes, he was an entrepreneur, but he really wasn't. Um, where what he said to me that kind of triggered my entrepreneurship gene (laughs) and idea was, he's like, man, the problem with this is we don't have a vacation guy to cover our route so that we can go on vacation. Because we work for ourselves we have to come up with the person to cover our route. If we had somebody good, this person would work forever. And that's when a light bulb kind of went off in my head. And I thought, hey, I know this bread industry. I'm a very reliable person. Why don't I give this a shot? So I asked the guy, I'm like, look, why don't you train me for free? And um, why don't you train me? I'll do it for free. I'll even give you a vacation, but show me the ins and outs of this. So he did that. He showed me the ins and outs, got me in there, introduced me to some of the other uh, independent operators. And with that little service-based business in the bread industry, in the vendor industry specifically, ended up growing to half a million dollars a year the next year. So um, what really sparked it for me, I guess, was opportunity more than anything. Um, But after I I started this business and I got a feel for entrepreneurship, then it definitely developed into, well, this is great. I enjoy working for myself. I, I enjoy this. But there has to be more. There has to be like that greater mission as you're talking about.
1: So, you were the bread guy, then you took the leap to become an entrepreneur, and then you started teaching entrepreneurship. Tell me, how did that all happen?
0: Uh, well, I, I owned this bread business for 12 years. So, mm-hmm. I, I owned a business for 12 years in entrepreneurship. I made millions of dollars at this bread business, um, but I completely mismanaged it. I was young, I was 19 when I started this and the money came in and just as fast as it came in and went right back out. So I I was just very, very not smart at all. And over those years, I, I learned what entrepreneurship is by running a real life brick and mortar business. So come to 2011 um, was the year where it was just, it was my final straw. The company that, the main company that these guys contracted to got bought out by an even larger company they started making some changes, and I could see the writing on my wall that this little business that I had built wasn't going to last very long. Mm-hmm. But more than that, I had a passion to help the everyday working person, mm-hmm. and it just so happened that year that eBooks and self-publishing were becoming a thing, like they were, it was becoming mainstream. And so I thought, I want to get this message out that the everyday working person does not have to go to a job for forty hours a day that they hate. They could do something that they love, and these are kind of the practical steps to get there. And with self-publishing being popular, I thought, I'm just going to try this. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know anything about this, but I'm going to try this. I'm going to publish a book. And so that's what I did in July of of 2011. I self-published my first book. And, of course, it did not sell (laughs) because I did not have an audience. But I spent the rest of that year figuring out, why do some people flourish and why do some people not have success? And it was a very, very simple principle.
1: Did people think you were crazy when you were thinking about self-publishing a book? Because nobody did it back then.
0: Nobody did it. Uh, this idea of you publishing, you a bread guy mm-hmm. from you know Milwaukee, like a bread guy who was a high school dropout publishing a book, it was just ridiculous to everybody that I told
1: we love actionable advice here at Entrepreneur Decoded. Tell me exactly how you sold more than 1,000 copies. So it's, it's
0: pretty simple. When I did not sell books, I investigated the reason. I, I looked at my website, I looked at my funnels, I looked at my opt I looked at all the things. And it's honestly the only thing that matters, Simon. Do you know what that is? Audience. Having an audience. I did not have an audience. You can have the best looking website, you can have all the funnels, you can Mm -hmm. have all the emotional triggers. It's all completely pointless because nobody's there to see it. If you have an audience, you can mess up all those other things and you can still do well in entrepreneurship. So that that was the bottom line for me was, I did not have an audience. If I didn't have an audience, I couldn't sell books. It was that simple. So I spent the beginning part of 2012 Building an audience and and that's exactly what I did and by the end of 2012 and we could talk about the strategies that I used but by the end of 2012 I had a half a million visitors coming to my website. I had about 7,000 people on my email list. I had sold 45,000 copies of my books by getting exposure. I had a book deal, I had some invitations to come speak, and I was able to go ahead and quit the bread business at that point, just by focusing the first part of the year on building the audience.
1: Were you annoyed and maybe a bit scared when you put in so much work and you don't see those results? You wrote that book, but it didn't get the traction you were looking for. Tell me about that, Kimanzi.
0: I wasn't scared, I was frustrated.
1: Yeah. I was
0: very frustrated. I put in all this work, I, I wrote a book for goodness sakes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd done everything that I was told that I should do. I'd followed the blogs, I'd followed the podcast. They said, this is what you should do. I did all of it and I didn't sell any books. I was frustrated.
1: Let's talk about building an audience from the scratch. Uh, do you have some recommendations for the people in the audience who are thinking about uh, growing their audience even bigger or maybe starting from the scratch?
0: Uh, the best strategy is is what I call the exposure strategy. So you don't have an audience, go get exposure to where your audience is at, and that might be on a different platform. So that could be something like getting interviewed on a podcast like I'm doing here with Simon. People are going to hear me on this interview. Some people are going to be like, oh, that guy kind of knows what he's talking about, and they're going to go check out what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Some people are going to be like, that guy's a kook. <laughs> this is it. I'm done. Right, But there's going to be a few people that come from this and check me out. So get an interviewed on a podcast. And you don't have to have a story like mine. You don't have to have sold 100,000 books or whatever. Your story is your story. It's unique to you. There's something special about your story. You should embrace that. So whatever your story is, get on a podcast and share it. And there's all kinds of podcasts. Um, so that's one way to do it. Another way to do it is to guest post. So you write articles for a blog that is probably bigger than yours. They give you a couple links back to your site. If people are digging the articles, it's one click and they're back they're back on your site and they're subscribing to your email list. Um, kind of a third way and the way that I love to do it is by getting exposure on, on larger media publications. So like the Huffington Post of the world, Entrepreneur Magazine, Inc., Forbes, like all of these really big business publications all take regular contributors. People like me and you that they'll let you write an article on their platform and it's probably one of the very best ways to get exposure because you are literally getting exposure to millions of people.
1: What is one thing that is really working for you right now? One thing that is working for me
0: right now is I would say in short, it's focus. Mm -hmm. Um, I, in this entrepreneurial journey, I've tried everything. Like I've kind of been a little bit of uh, Gary Vaynerchuk at times where I've been going crazy trying a lot of different things. But for me right now, focusing and seeing what opportunities make the most sense, um, what make the op- opportunities make the most sense for my life and for the direction that I want to go in and where do I need to say no because mm-hmm. that's important. We have a hard time saying no by nature and especially in entrepreneurship. What do I need to say no to? Um, how do I need to be selective? And also even increasing things, little things like increasing my prices on, mm-hmm. on the services that I offer or the speaking gigs that I do or the consulting work that I do. So just really focusing on what it is that I want in my life and in my business and not being afraid to get rid of things that I don't.
1: It's a really interesting point. Um... Focus. And there's people in the audience who are working in a project or a business and they're not seeing those results, even though they're being focusing for a long, long time. How do you keep yourself motivated and enthusiastic about a project when you don't see those numbers coming in? Uh,
0: well, it's, it's hard. You always have to have your sources of inspiration. Mm-hmm. So I, there's certain videos that I like to watch on YouTube that always inspire me, certain people. There are certain books that I'll go back to time and time again that are really inspiring. So you have to have your sources of inspiration that you can keep on tap for the moments when you don't feel motivated or inspired um, to just create the plan. You got to have a, a solid plan. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a plan, you know, the project's not going to get completed, the goal's not going to get done. But at some point, it's not a matter of it has, you have to feel a certain way, like you have to feel it and, and envision it and blah, blah, blah. At some point, it's just a matter of doing the work. I just have to do the work. I have to stick to the plan. I have to get to the to the to the barriers that I set for myself. And you just got to do the work anyways, even if it if it does not feel motivating. And then the third thing is, you know, uh take time to reevaluate. Maybe the part of your plan is not what it should be. Maybe it's not smart. Maybe it's you have to rethink what you're doing. So take some time to reevaluate the plan, reevaluate what you're doing and make sure that this is what you should be doing that's going to get you towards your goals.
1: I want you to look back on your journey as an entrepreneur and being an entrepreneur isn't always easy. You face hardships, you face challenges. I want you to pick a failure from your past uh, which really shaped you as an entrepreneur, as a person and how you that that.
0: Uh, there's definitely been a lot of challenges. Um, in 2011 when... I was making the leap from bread business to um, publishing and lifestyle entrepreneurship. And I was broke. <laughs> the, I was bankrupt. The business was bankrupt. I didn't have any money to do this. And I, I was broke. I was living less than paycheck to paycheck. So being willing to go out and do whatever it took to make extra money, you know, whether it was cutting grass or washing cars or doing some... Doing some freelance work, being able to do whatever it took to get the nine hundred dollars that I needed to get my website designed, get the book cover made, get the book edited and formatted, um, being willing to do what it took there was, was definitely a time. And, and there's a lot of times along the way. Probably one of the biggest was um, in 2014. The end of 2014, my grandfather died, and he was kind of uh, my inspiration and catalyst that that uh, molded me into becoming a writer. And his death was hard and, and after that I didn't know if I could continue, if I could do this because he was my motivation, as you talked about. He was my motivation. But overcoming that and realizing that he wanted me to go forward and make, make a greater impact was, was definitely something that I had to overcome.
1: Living from paycheck to paycheck, uh, how did that feel? It sucked.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sucked. Um, When you're constantly stressed about money, it it causes tension. If you're in a relationship, it causes tension in your relationship. It causes tension in your life. You're constantly worried about um, paying that next bill and going homeless. And you can't really be creative and you can't really be focused when you have that stress on your back. I
1: think most of us have been there living from paycheck to paycheck. Um, What are some steps uh, you would take if you were in a situation like that again?
0: Well, I'm gonna tell you something that's not popular. You might need to go get a job. Mm-hmm. You don't hear that in entrepreneurship, and it's not sexy, but it's the truth. There's a lot of lateral things that you can do that I've seen entrepreneurs do. Like I, I know of several entrepreneurs that are having a hard times, so they'll go out and they'll drive for Uber. Right? You can you can set your own hours. You can, uh, it's very flexible. The pay is pretty good. So you go drive Uber at night, right? It may, and put some money in your pocket, Uber or Lyft or one of, one of those kind of places. And it's, it's pretty simple to do, but maybe you might need to go out and get a job for a little bit till you build up your reserves. Um, maybe you might need to take some more freelance work. Probably the best piece of advice I ever got, especially when I was starting this and I was struggling was to start after you do your, your morning stuff when you get into the main part of your work to start each of your work days focused on activities that generate income. So what that means is it might mean calling old clients that you've worked with. It might mean talking to people that have expressed interest on your website or on social media or somewhere else they have expressed interest in working with you. It might mean getting on the phone with that person, seeing what kind of deal you can offer to get them to sign up today, right? It's it's doing that that hustle. Um, It might mean putting out some content that you know is going to draw people to want to have a conversation with you. It might mean throwing a web. I don't know what it means for you, but starting each day with an activity that focuses on generating money. And when I shifted that focus and I started focusing on on the things that generate money, money started coming. And it started coming in slowly at first and a little bit more to where I could build up the reserves and feel a little bit more comfortable.
1: Yeah, that is a really interesting way to think about making money online because a lot of advice out there is to be in the long game. Start a blog today, start a podcast today, and don't think about money. Money will come eventually, but your main focus shouldn't be in the money. But I get what you're saying because it's so stressful to work on something and not see the money coming in. So I really like that actual advice, Kimanzi. I want to go to the other end of the spectrum and talk about the light bulb moment. Have you ever had that feeling when uh, you realize, "Wow, this is going to resonate well with my fans, with my audience"? This moment, like I've made it. This is genius.
0: For me, it was this idea of what what is it that I'm going to offer to the world? How am I going to show up? And it's a it's a topic that a lot of people struggle with. They they think, "What is my thing? What do I do? How do I offer?" And what I found in five years of doing this is if what you offer is not practical, if people don't understand it, they're not going to spend money on it and they're not going to do business with you. So, you know, I have a coaching client that does real estate. Um, He helps people flip houses. His clients understand that. His audience understand that. It's pretty simple. He's going to teach you how to flip a house. And then I started working with a new client recently who told me that their thing was their transitional mindset coach. Now, on the outside, the words sound very nice, but I don't know what that means. And the audience is not gonna know what that means. And if they don't know what it means, if it's that practical to them, they're not gonna spend money. I'll spend money to learn how to flip houses, but I'm not gonna spend money to learn transitional mindset. I don't know what that is, Mm -hmm. right? So for me, for a long time, I had to figure out what is it that I'm gonna offer to the world that's practical. And it was this idea of lifestyle business. Building a business around the kind of lifestyle that you want to live. And what does that mean? It means a lifestyle of possibly travel, location independence, of consulting of companies, of writing. And all these different elements of building a business around the life, the life part being first. And that for me was the light bulb. Once I figured out this is what I want to offer to the world, it was then easy to create content. It was then easy to create the premium offerings and the services. It was then easy to, to market that and to start getting business and to grow the thing to where it
1: is today. You coached a lot of people. What is one thing you always tell your clients? What is one thing uh, you always talk about when you first meet or have the first call with uh, the people you work with?
0: Uh, two things. One, this is a business. And since this is a business, it has to make money. This isn't a hobby. Um, and our goal, when I start working with the clients, uh, is to get to one thousand dollars in income within the first thirty days. Um, and it's one thousand is not a lot. It's not going to make you rich, but it's a mindset thing. When you make that first thousand dollars, you realize like this is possible. And if you can make the first thousand, then you can make the first ten thousand, and then the first hundred thousand. So we try to get to 1,000 within the first 30 days by tell them this isn't a hobby. This is a business. You have to treat it like a business. And two, um, we have to establish your foundation. Your foundation is the most important part of everything that we're going to do. This is where everybody's going to come. We have to get that foundation established.
1: Let's wrap up today's talk with the topic happiness. Uh, what brings you joy and makes you happy in this life, Kimanzi?
0: Freedom definitely makes me happy. Um, reading makes me happy. Um, being, being true to who I am and true to the things that I want and, and true to the direction that I want my life to go and that's, that's, what, that's what makes me happy. Um, being surrounded by family and friends, that, that makes me happy. Helping, helping other people makes me happy. Um, just looking inside you and being honest about what you want. And not you don't have to achieve it. But just the journey, the taking the action, the effort that's, that's what's going to lead to happiness.
1: You've been so generous with your time, Kimonzi. Do you have any last piece of advice for the audience?
0: Definitely, if you're not online, think about the, the online element of this. There's almost 3 billion people logging onto the internet every day. So, whether you have a brick and mortar business or an online business, the opportunity is there, the, the income potential is there. And realize that we are in a time where we don't have to compete with anybody else. You know, the traditional business model was you had your competition, and they you guys were kinda doing the same things and you were competing. And the internet, you don't have to compete with anybody. There's enough of the pie for everybody to have a little piece. And you don't have to compete with anybody. You can definitely differentiate yourself from other people. Definitely do that. You wanna talk about how you're different. But you don't have to think about what anybody else is doing and compete. Do your own thing, be you. And take advantage of the internet. It's it's the biggest game in town. It's only going to get bigger. There's unlimited opportunities, so don't neglect
1: it. I love that. What's the best way to find your line and connect with you?
0: You can find me at ComanzeConstable.com. You can Google the name Comanze Constable. There's not too many of them, and you'll find the site. But you'll find all the info there, including a bunch of free stuff that will help you Um, in your entrepreneurial journey.
1: Once again, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your journey with us, Kimanzi.
0: Hey, thank you for having me, Simon. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneur Decoded. For killer resources and free content, go to entrepreneurdecoded.com.